Welcome to PCPC Early Service. This is it. We're getting there. This is the third Sunday of Advent. We welcome you to our early service. We have our scripture reading coming from the birth narratives of the Gospel of Luke, and now we find the angel appearing to Mary to tell her the good news. By the way, the word that's used of Gabriel's speeches, both to Zechariah and to Mary, is the word for gospel, good news. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Miriam. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great. And he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth is in her old age, has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month. And with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. This is it. <laughs> this is what all of human history to that moment had been waiting for. In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. That's the way Paul proclaims it in Galatians 4.4. And here's the actual story given to us by Luke of this particular appearance to the Virgin Mary. Gabriel, you recall, in our stories past has already appeared to Zacharias in the temple. He has already reported of the story of the birth of John the Baptist. And now he appears six months later to 
Mary and tells her the gospel. Anytime the scripture speaks or the Lord speaks or an angel speaks or a prophet speaks or anybody speaks about Jesus, they're preaching the gospel. Because the gospel is not a process, it's not a program, it's a person. The gospel is the appearance, the coming. And in his coming, his working, his doing, his accomplishment, his working until he's able to say, it is finished. It's the work and the coming of Jesus Christ. That's why when we speak of the gospel, we don't call people to a, an ethical standard, although there is one. We don't call them to a covenant community, although there is one. We don't necessarily call them to a style of life or a worldview, although these are certainly biblical. We call them to a person. We call them to Christ. And this is the account of how God enters into humanity. Notice the angel didn't say he would become God. Heresy groups down through the years have taught that, that Jesus was a person just like anyone else, but he recognized the divine spark that was in him and he enhanced all those things about him that were the reflective of his greater angels and one day he... Be no, no, no. He didn't become God. He was God. He is God and he's God in the flesh, in humanity, He's human. He's homo sapien. He's got the DNA. He's part of the human flow. He has a lineage. He is of the house of David. He is of the seed of Abraham, the stock of Israel. The very town in which Jesus' parents came in the town that's mentioned here is the little town of Nazareth a tiny little insignificant village on the edge of the valley of Jezreel in the northern part of Israel, Galilee. But the word itself comes from a Hebrew word, Natsar, which means branch. He's a little shoot. He's a little branch. He's a little sprig that comes up out of the old dead stump of Jesse, the house of David. The house of David was pretty much a lord house in these days. The tabernacle of David, the scripture said, had fallen but now comes Christ. And the promises that are given here are an enormous, enormous uh, import. Who is this child? This child will be the son of David. He will fulfill those promises that Nathan the prophet made to David way back there, 1000 BC. He would sit upon the royal throne of David, which was promised even back then to be an eternal throne. He will fulfill every scintilla of all those prophecies that are made in, the, in the, the Psalms about the enthronement of an eternal king. He will rule and he will rule forever and he will be powerful and he will be holy. He will be sinless. This little, little baby that you're going to be expecting. It's interesting to me that the angel talks about 
His name will be Jesus, which we know means the Lord saves. Um, He will be great. He will be called Son of Most High. The the definite articles are not in the Greek. In other words, he will be called Son Most High. He will take over the throne of his father David. It's a throne that God gives him. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. Here's eternal truth. Here's national hope. Here's all this wonderful things. And Mary says to the angel, how will this be? For our scripture says, since I am a virgin. That's a good translation. It follows an, an idiomatic scheme of translation which is sound but the original language says I've not known a man it's interesting all this stuff that the angel's telling her about Jesus the gospel he's preaching about his royal office and about his outstanding life work and his kingdom and all of these things the angel is talking about which are all true and and things that will be proclaimed at the kingdom of God is at hand now with Christ coming. And little Mary, she just wants to know, how's this conception going to take place? And this is one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture. Here's a woman, young woman, that knows herself to be pure. She knows herself to have not ever been with a man in an intimate way. Not even Joseph who was her uh, husband by betrothal, by promise. And that was legally binding, by the way. Deuteronomy 22 tells the story of how those marriages are uh, affected and arranged. She was committed to Joseph. Joseph was committed to her. But she says, I've not known a man. There's a little more to it than just the intimacy of that. There's also, here is a young woman who confesses, I know so little, nothing in fact, about man, about the human experience. Just a young virgin girl from a remote part of the world, from a tiny nation, a feeble people. She was not someone that was steeped in the ways of the urbane and cosmopolitan ways of the world. She did not have an experience, a long experience of of man, of the human condition. She had not participated in the gross idolatries and the gross sins and all of the rising and falling of the kingdoms. She had not been part of human experience in so many ways. In fact, Mary's experience was very limited, almost negligible. And yet, through her was going to come the one who would redeem humanity, who would save the race who would restore mankind. No wonder she was afraid. She was overwhelmed. And when her question is answered, the angel answered her saying, 
the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's a couplet. It's a hymn. It's a, it's a short poem. Parallelism. Holy Spirit. The third person of the triune God. His power will overshadow you. The creative work of God, that which God brings about by miracle and by fiat and by His own powerful Word is always affected by the Holy Spirit. Effected by the Holy Spirit. Made possible. It is the Holy Spirit of God that brought forth creation after hovering over the primeval waters. It's the Spirit of God that will bring forth this child. He will be the one that will miraculously cause the conception to be authentic and real. He will cause a being to be brought forth who is fully human from the womb of Mary the daughter of Eve, the mother of all living, but also would be completely, entirely, wholly and fully divine. God in the flesh. By the way, as we say often, the essence of the Christian faith can be seen in understanding the flesh, the skin, the bone, the humanity, the DNA, the molecules, the organs, the organism. The two great mysteries, the two great miracles, and the two great powers of the Christian faith has something to do with the flesh. God coming in human flesh. And Jesus being bodily raised from the dead. Miracles at the end of life having to do with conception, the very beginning, instant moment of life, human life. And the overcoming of the dying, the returning to dust, the giving up, the falling asleep. At these two critical moments of human existence, from conception to death, God has had power over it. Incarnation, resurrection, that's what we believe. And if you ever dialogue very much with unbelievers, uh, just, you know, what would be checked on the box, well, what religion are you? None. <laughs> if you ever talk with someone like that, or if you talk with someone of another faith, even the Abrahamic faiths of Judaism and Islam, there's an offense. There's a scandal. There's a place in which they can look at you right in the eyes and say, you have got to be crazy. And those two places are when you talk about God, the almighty God of creation, which they claim they believe in. But when you talk about he has a son, an incarnate son who is fully God 
and yet fully man. There'll be some pushback. That they won't buy. And John the Revelator says, Whoso says that Christ is not come in the flesh is an antichrist. And you'll also get pushback when you talk about the resurrection of the flesh, the bodily resurrection of Christ. Two miracles, two mysteries, but two things that we hold clearly. What does God do in the flesh? He comes in the flesh and he raises the flesh up to that place that it had in the Garden of Eden and beyond that place where he had created flesh and all of the things that have transpired in the middle are things that God redeems. He undoes, he restores, he buys back, he rebuilds. Mary's still worried about the conception, and I don't blame her. That's still the big fear and question is, how is this going to happen? And it's interesting that Gabriel, who spoke to Zechariah and answered his question, Gabriel, remember, said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And here he could have easily said, I'm Gabriel. I saw this happen once before. Just six months ago, I was reporting. And in fact, three months from now, there'll be a little baby born, John the Baptist, and he will be born of the barren womb. God can take the barren womb, the virgin womb, and with his mighty power, do those things and accomplish those things. In fact, the angel will assure him, he said, I've been hanging around God long enough to know Nothing is impossible with God. Let me just talk a minute about your condition in your life. What in your life is just a hill too big for you to climb? What in your life have you sort of given over to despair with respect to your inability or your seemingly ineffectiveness or your lostness or your hopelessness? It may be impossible with you. There's a lot of things we cannot do. But there is nothing that God cannot do. He can save. He can heal. He can restore. He can pick up. He can give you back those things. That's what it meant when the angel first said to her, you are highly favored. It's literally the word of grace. You've been given much grace, mega grace, full of grace. Literally is what it means. Full of grace. That doesn't mean as our Catholic brothers and sisters have misunderstood that she was given this abundance of grace whereby she might dispense grace to others if you just pray and ask her. No, she's not a conveyor of grace. She's not a provider of grace. She's a recipient of grace. She's just the servant of the Lord. I like the old text that translates it, handmaiden of the Lord. But I have to be fair, the word is servant. She's the servant of the Lord. She receives the grace. And that's where we stand today. We are the servants of the Lord. 
We are humble before him. We are helpless before him. But we receive the grace. Much grace. Full of grace. And that's the, that's the place we stand. If the same Holy Spirit has come into your life and regenerated you and quickened you and brought you from death to life, you are alive in Christ by the Holy Spirit's work within you, within your innermost being. And he has brought you to life. And all you can do is praise him because you have received much grace. Your faith has been strengthened because you've heard that God's done it before. He did it with Elizabeth. He can do it with Mary. He did it with a great cloud of witnesses. He can do it with you and for you. That's the God that we know. That's the God that we serve. God can do this. Mary's response should be our prayer. And here it is. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. We should be surrendered to the will of God. And we should be devoted to the word of God.